Hello again, and welcome to Meditations for Misfits. I'm Fred Gruy. Well, my reading of the sixth chapter of Isaiah and my own education in Las Pitas that I talked about last week confirm one of Joseph Campbell's observations about transformation. It can be a terrifying experience to have your consciousness transformed. And as Campbell says, these come our way by either ecstatic visions or by trials. Now, of the two, I've found trials to be the most usual form of God-given transformation. I'm also convinced that the purpose of such transformation is to enable us to become experientially aware of our interconnection with others, and most importantly, to become more compassionate. Such transformation is required because compassion is hard. Our genetic predisposition to survive and protect ourselves at all costs comes with a price. The consequences of this predisposition are often evidenced by hoarding, amassing power, and the subjugation of others. But is this really what we aspire to? Is this the ultimate aim of being a human? The very wise and wonderful Henry Nouwen writes, Compassion is hard because it requires the inner disposition to go with others to the place where they are weak, vulnerable, lonely, and broken. But this is not our spontaneous response to suffering. What we desire most is to do away with suffering by fleeing from it or finding a quick cure for it. Our ability to enter into solidarity with those who suffer is our greatest gift. Compassion is hard because it requires us to face our own brokenness and to be present with an other who is especially broken and afraid. Entering that naked place, beyond remedy, solution, and advice, to simply inhabit the unknown and not to comprehend. This is one of the things I most love about being a hospice chaplain. The opportunity to give and receive compassion comes to me on a daily basis. I'm sometimes reluctant, by way of introduction, to tell people what I actually do for a living. Invariably, they tend to tilt their heads and look at me with big doe eyes like I'm Brother Teresa, and I'm not. I'm just someone who's learned that it is vital for me to be in surroundings where compassion is required. I've learned the only way to keep compassion flowing is by giving it away. If I try to keep it, I lose it. Like two loaves of bread and five fishes, compassion must be given away to be multiplied. Some spiritual truths are beyond comprehending and need to be simply experienced. I try to become more compassionate because I'm intensely aware of my own need for it. One of the great things about giving compassion is that it requires no special training. You don't have to have a Ph.D., a lot of money, well-crafted verbal skills, or a position of power to offer it. Anybody can do it. Allowing the reality of our own brokenness to not frighten us, but to connect us with someone else who is terrified by their own vulnerability and simply being with them in that place is all that's required. Words are often unnecessary. A gentle touch, a holding of hands, possibly sobbing with, or an accepting look from your soul into the eyes of the one afraid can work miracles. Now, if you're like me, 
you may find it difficult to practice the work of compassion in such a time of political and social turbulence. The name-calling, divisiveness that assaults us from all quarters, our phones, computers, print, and TV, my first impulse is to correct, defend, or retaliate. But the following Hindu story has proven a good antidote to my first impulse. As the story goes, once there was a very old man who used to meditate early every morning under a large tree on the bank of the Ganges River in India. One morning, having finished his meditation, the old man opened his eyes and saw a scorpion floating hopelessly in the strong current of the river. As the scorpion was pulled close to a tree, it got caught in the long tree roots that branched out far into the river. Now the scorpion struggled frantically to free itself, but got more and more entangled in the complex network of the tree's roots. When the old man saw this, he immediately stretched himself onto the extended roots and reached out to rescue the drowning scorpion. But as soon as he touched it, the animal jerked and stung him wildly. Instinctively, the old man withdrew his hand. But then, after having regained his balance, he once again stretched himself out along the roots to save the agonized scorpion. But every time the old man came within reach, the scorpion stung him so badly with its poisonous tail that the man's hands became swollen and bloody and his face distorted in pain. Now at that moment, a passerby saw the old man stretched out on the roots, struggling with the scorpion and shouted, Hey, stupid old man, what's wrong with you? Only a fool risks his life for the sake of an ugly, useless creature. Don't you know that you may kill yourself to save that ungrateful animal? Slowly, the old man turned his head and, looking calmly into the stranger's eyes, said, Friend, because it's the nature of the scorpion to sting, why should I give up my own nature to save? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Why should we give up our nature to be compassionate when we get stung in a biting, stinging world? That really is the question that confronts me. Will I surrender to my me-first bestial instinct of self-preservation or aim for the spiritual ideal of compassion? The fact is, on any given day, the scorpion might be me. After nearly 50 years of effort to become a more awake human being, I'm convinced one of the most vital aids on our way through the web of issues that threaten us as a species is the elixir of compassion. Any effort at resolving racism, gender equality, ecology reform, whatever the issue, if it's not perfumed with compassion, it will be doomed to failure. Subjugating those who disagree may yield temporary gains, but not the long, sought-after term solutions that we all desire. I suspect God is still looking for prophets and lovers, transformed by the awareness of their own brokenness, men and women of compassion, to proclaim God's word. And as God cried out in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, Who can I send? Who will go for us? Will we respond? Again, I am so deeply appreciative that you allow me into your life, into your world, 
for these few moments on your journey today. In conclusion for this uh, episode, and this episode will conclude our exploration into the question attributed to God in Isaiah chapter 6, I'd like to read a little snippet from Frederick Beekner's book, Brendan. Frederick Beekner is a wonderful writer, and if you've not read any of his works, I encourage you to do so. He's just fabulous. But anyway, in his book, Brendan, here's a little snippet of that. Pushing down hard with his fists on the tabletop, he heaved himself up to where he was standing, and for the first time we saw he wanted one leg. It was gone from the knee joint down. He was hopping sideways to reach for his stick in the corner when he lost his balance, and he would have fallen in a heap if Brendan hadn't leapt forward and caught him. I'm as crippled as the dark world, Gildas said. If it comes to that, which one of it isn't, my dear, Brendan said. Gildas, but with one leg, Brendan, sure, he's misspent his whole life entirely, me that had left my wife to follow him and buried our only boy, the truth of what Brendan said stopped all our mouths. We was cripples, all of us. For a moment or two, there was no sound but the bees. To lend each other a hand when we're falling, Brendan said, perhaps that's the only work that matters in the end. <laughs>